dedicated gentleman by the name of Dick Hall giving the sermon today. I look forward to having the Holy Spirit touch us all. So with that, let's proceed to worship. Thank you. begin with prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord Jesus. Amen. My senior year at Curry Bible Institute, I took a course with Elliot Maxwell, who was the principal, not the president. That's long enough ago that they still use the word principal for something beyond high school. And uh, he taught a course on Romans. And I had a problem. I fell in love with Romans. In fact, so much so that I had planned to head back to Prairie the year after I graduated for one reason, to take the course on Romans again, because it impressed me so. And I want to share with you this morning uh, just one passage from Romans that is in your bulletin. It's in Romans chapter 1. I was debating Yeah, tell them back there if you can't hear me. Because, uh, no, we're pretty good. This is, this is the, uh, This is the reason I don't preach regularly. Um, all of a sudden, several years ago, I retired. The Lord said, your teaching and preaching are done. You can't talk. <laughs> if you try to talk, people won't hear you. You'll know what I mean when I say that. Because uh, my voice is doing pretty good right now. But I can lose the whole thing very quickly. So, uh, yeah, have a front row seat. They're free. So, uh, in looking at Romans chapter 1, there's a verse there, or several verses, that impressed upon me. This is going to be interesting. Should I take this one off? Oh, it's, it's turned off. Now, now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now we're on this one. So I got to hold a mic plus hold a Bible. Whoopee. 
But in Romans, there was a passage here in chapter 1. I was very impressed with it in that class and have been ever since. It made a big difference in my life. Romans 1, verses 21 through 23. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. These are the beginnings of the section uh, of chapter 1 through chapter 4 of Romans that says you need God's righteousness and it's by faith. But here he's talking about four steps that can be taken away from God. And I wanted to be sure in my life I was never ever moving away from God. That class with Ellie uh, Maxwell impressed upon me part of this section, and I'll explain it as we move along. First of all, it says, although they knew God, they neither glorified, they did not glorify him as God. The previous verses tell us that God can be seen clearly in his creation, his divine nature, and his awesome power is revealed through his creation. Everybody sees creation. But the question is, if you know God, do you glorify him, magnify him, lift him up, exalt him as God? He says they don't. Those who see it still don't. And often turn away from God. Secondly, the steps away from God, was nor did they give thanks and it became futile when their foolish hearts were darkened. So they did not give thanks to God. Thirdly, to walk away from God was uh, claim to be wise and becoming a fool. Most who claim to be wise who walk away from God and think they're really, really, really smart in doing so have demonstrated one thing. They're a fool because God is God and they don't acknowledge him as God and walk away from him and claim all. We are so intelligent, so smart. We know so much more than everyone else. There is no God. You're a fool to say so. And then it lasts in verse 23, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. It's pretty hard, and yes, well, why did Israel so often, after they left Egypt, wind up in the desert and then also in the land and turn away from God? My conclusion, it's hard to 
to be faithful to a God you can't see. God's in spirit, and they wanted something tangible, like all the others around them had something tangible. They wanted it the same way. And so they turned away from the living God to some idol made by their own hands. Four steps away from God. The one in that class at Prairie that really impressed upon me was the second one. They did not give thanks to him. If I am not thankful, I'm walking away from God. Whoa. That ever impress you? That you really need to be thankful. 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 Now, there's two other verses that can be related to this to help us to expand it. And uh, they do tie into communion. That's why I titled this a communion meditation, and I'm here not using the lectern. So turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The last chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Back a few pages to Ephesians, but first of all, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it talks about being thankful in this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5. We have uh, at the end of the chapter a list of items that the Lord wants us to pay attention to. Verse 16. Well, in verse 17 it says, Be kind to each other and everyone else. Verse 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh-oh. Give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Give thanks in all circumstances. Yep. But, you know, there's something with that because it says give thanks in all circumstances. I can find a reason to give thanks even in circumstances that are not good. I can look forward and say, okay, there's this going on and this going on, but this I can give thanks for. So I can follow this one. Not too hard to do so. To uh, be thankful in all circumstances. And... Uh, Sometimes the circumstances can be really, really, really rough. And in them, you can find something. So I could find something to give thanks, and I could wiggle out of it. You know, I'm being thankful. I don't want to move away from God, so I will find something in the circumstances to be thankful. Now, turn back to Ephesians just a few pages. Ephesians chapter 5. 
chapter 5, chapter 5 makes it easy to remember. Uh, Three-quarter or halfway through the chapter, he says, uh, speak to me in verse 19, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. Uh-oh. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. Oh man, Lord, you caught me. That's for everything. See, the, it, giving thanks in, I could understand and I could sneak out through that. But giving thanks for everything, I'm caught. Because uh, there are difficult circumstances in life. You say, how can I give thanks for this? But the first step or second step away from God is not being thankful. So in everything, give thanks. Oh, okay, got it. Lord, you caught me for everything. So I made a decision back in 1959. Now, I know some of you don't remember that. Some of you do. That's why I graduated from Prairie. And I made the decision at that point that my life is going to be characterized by giving thanks. I don't want to walk away from God. And that can happen. So in order to not walk away from God and be obedient to the Lord I love, I took this verse very seriously. Don't walk away, be thankful. In everything, be thankful. For everything, be thankful. So when people hear you speak, or hear me speak, they hear people being thankful. Are we thankful? Now, we're going to be taking part in communion. Uh, the service will be shorter than usual because it's communion meditation and communion. So if the fellows who are serving make their way together and then down here into the four chairs. We're going to be talking about communion and we'll tie it directly into what we have just been referring to of being thankful. It's not hard to do at all. There are four names. So fellas, if you want to come, there are four names in Scripture that are used for what we have here. And they're all, they come from Scripture. So it's pretty easy to think of it. In first, first Corinthians chapter 10 and 11, we have the instructions for the Lord's Supper. first name we'll take a look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 21. You can have that part of both the Lord's table 
and the taking of demons. This is called the passage, the Lord's table. Now, we don't hear that real often. We don't say, oh, we're going to meet together and meet around the Lord's table. Well, one reason it's called the Lord's Table is because what was really common, and I have done this in churches where I pastor, we have a dinner together as a church body. At the conclusion of that dinner, then we have communion. And it ties right in to the way in which it was done during New Testament times. So it was called the Lord's Table because he was the host for the twelve and others in the upper room. Then there's a second name that is used. Okay. In chapter 11 and in verse 20 there's a second name that scripture uses. When you come together is it not the Lord's Supper you eat? So it's called the Lord's Supper a number of times. Some of you may remember Moshe Rosen. He was the founder of Jews for Jesus. He came to know Christ as his Savior in this place, the Trinity. And he was invited right after he became a follower of Jesus to come together for a, the Lord's Supper. They came. All they got is a cracker and a little teeny tiny cup. I was expecting a meal. It's the Lord's Supper. And, had, and his friends had to explain to him. And the Lord called this the Lord's Supper, even though it's only a cracker and a small amount of juice. It's not a meal. See, being Jewish, the Passover was a whole meal. This is based partially on that. So we have the Lord's table and the Lord's supper. But there's two that are most commonly used. Uh, the third one, which is exactly like I was just talking earlier about being thankful. It says in verse 24 of chapter 11, And when he had given thanks, he broke it, the bread when he had given thanks. And uh, also in chapter 10, verse 16, is this not the cup of thanksgiving? And now I don't know if I've ever heard any church ever speak about, oh, we're going to observe thanksgiving, or thanks. You've had heard quite often. It's the second most commonly used I went to uh, my, I have a twin brother, like Mark Sodi has a twin brother, Ed has a twin brother, somebody here has a twin sister, <laughs> twins are great, and I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Yeah, I went to my brother's ordination as an Episcopal priest. And the head pastor of the church talked to me at the conclusion of that weekend. He said, you've taken part in communion at a 
Episcopal Church for three times this weekend. I said, I have done it in many different kinds of churches through the years and led it in many different kinds of churches through the years. But it's not called thanks. What's normally done is using the Greek word. And the Greek word is Eucharist. Oh, I've heard the word Eucharist. In fact, if you go down the street, 44th, there's St. James Episcopal Church, and often has a sign out front, observing Holy Eucharist at certain times. Some churches use it all the time, and you hear it frequently. Eucharist, that's a Greek word for thanks. But there's a more common word than Eucharist, Lord's Table or Lord's Supper. Communion. And that communion is what we're talking about. It's a communion together with one another, and it's a communion together with the Lord. Go back to chapter 10, and it says uh, in verse 16, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ, and not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? King James and a number of other translations, the word participation is translated by the word communion. And so it became the most common, the, actually the, the most common term for what we have is communion. It's communion together with the Lord. If we didn't have a tablecloth on here, you would see the words across the front. Do this in remembrance of me. I know, I checked this morning just to be sure. I think I've seen it before, but let me check to make sure. So it's communion in remembrance of him as we fellowship with him and with one another. So we fellowship with the Lord, we commune with the Lord. And so we want to be sure that we are focusing on now, today, of being thankful. When the bread is passed, think of how you can be thankful to God for what is represented here, that he died on the cross for your sin. Don't turn that way or that way. I get the mic into the speaker. Okay, so we want to be sure that we uh, thank him for what he has done. So let's pray. Thank the Lord for the Lord, thank you for this bread, this cracker that represents your body given for us. We always want to do as your word says. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your salvation made possible through the death of Christ on the cross and his body given for us. Thank you in his name. Amen.
take this in remembrance of him. And Lord, thank you for the cup. This fruit of the vine that represents to us your blood of the new covenant. We thank you, you have made it possible for us to come into your presence through your light shed on the cross. And we remember that you said you're going to leave, but you come back. And your blood is sufficient. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, we're told in Leviticus. We thank you that your blood was sufficient for the entire human race, that all who call upon you can find forgiveness and their sins washed away. Thank you in Jesus' name. This cup speaks to us of our sins being washed away, for which we can be extremely thankful. Take part thinking of that.
speaks of the communion time in Matthew. It says they sang a hymn afterward and then went out to the Mount of Olives to betray him. They didn't plan to do that, but that's what happened. So we're going to sing again our concluding song. And then we'll be departing. And the first words of Jesus to the disciples after the resurrection, peace be with you. Thirteen of Paul's letters, that's what he wrote, begin every single one, grace and peace be with you. So it's my blessing to you as grace and peace be with you. I usually don't participate in communion, and there's a reason. If I were to bend over and present you a tray, I'd fall in your lap. And I don't want to do that. I want the attention to be on the Lord, not on grape juice all over your dress or shirt. But grace and peace be with you as you sing the last song and then go to walk with him. Amen.